um, closing my first place, traditional financing, which, you know, run for the hills, right? Hey guys, before we get this episode started, are you in Denver and you want to invest in apartments? I want to let you know that there's a great network of apartment investors called Dan, D-A-N. That's Denver Apartment Network. And you can find them on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash groups slash network. That's D-E-N-A-P-T network. Or you can go to meetup.com slash den, D-E-N, dash, A-P-T, dash, network. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by RealBlueSpruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I am DJ Scruggs along with my partner, Adam Adams. Well, hello, everybody. Hey, Adam. Uh, I'm really excited for our guest today because, um, first of all, he has a great title for his podcast. It's kind of hard to beat. Um, but I also met him at his conference that he does, which is also has the similar title. And rather than talk about it more, I'll just introduce him. Say hello to Joe Fairless. Hey, uh, well, hello everyone. Nice, <laughs> nice to, nice to meet everyone virtually and a uh, nice talking to you too, as well as good, good catching up again, DJ and Adam. And just so we don't leave people hanging, what is the name of your podcast? Oh, it's a mouthful, but it's great for Google searches. That's for sure. It's called the best real estate investing advice ever show. <laughs> Perfect. And you also have a conference that's uh, that plays off the same name, right? Yeah, I like consistency. It's uh, the best uh, – well, besteverconference.com is the URL. Mm-hmm. I think we call it the best real estate investing advice ever conference. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joe, before you get got into doing this conference uh, every – what is it? Like every year out here in Denver, yeah. right? Okay. And then – and doing your, and your daily podcast, which is nuts. I cannot believe anyone could do that. We we have a hard enough time putting out one episode a week. <laughs> yep. But um, what what did you do before that? How did you get into real estate? I am from Texas originally. Went to Texas Tech University. Graduated in two thousand five. A land of cotton and cows and mm-hmm. and prairies and prairie dogs. A lot of prairie dogs. And moved from Lubbock, Texas, to New York City immediately after graduating. I graduated in May something, and I had my first day at my job June 1st, and that job was on Madison Avenue in New York City. So I moved from Cows and Cotton to Skyscrapers in the Land of No Sun in Manhattan. And Mad and Men. I, yeah, and Mad Men, yes, <laughs> and Mad Men. I was living and breathing Mad Men, that's for sure. And I was working on Madison Avenue uh, cl- making less than minimum wage when you factor in the amount of hours I was working. And climbed the corporate ladder, though, eventually, and did it in a relatively short period of time. Eventually became the youngest VP of a New York City advertising agency. While I was in the upward part of that trajectory, I was buying, I I looked at buying homes Mm -hmm. because I finally had some money in the bank account because I kept all my expenses fixed while living in New York City. The rent, I was paying incredibly cheap rent because I was living like a college kid even 10 years after I graduated with a roommate. And and so I had lower expenses, so I was able to save money in New York City. And I bought my first house in 2009. It was I was approved for my mortgage in, in January of 2009, and it took me until October 
of 2009 to actually close on my first deal. So 10 long months. And in in between those 10 months, I lost out on about $1,500 in earnest money because I overlooked something. My agent overlooked something and it, it, it burned really bad, but I overcame that and, um, closing my first place, traditional financing, which, you know, run for the hills, right? On this show, traditional financing. <laughs> right. But but after that first deal for my other three homes before I went into the, the large stuff, I did them more and more creatively. Awesome. So before we get into the creative stuff, you said that you lost out on about 1500 bucks of earnest money. Is that something you can go into? I, if I, 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 if I could remember it, I, I mean, hell, I don't care. I, I'd be happy to tell you. I just don't quite remember the exact circumstance for how I lost the money. I mean, basically, we didn't, we didn't um, see something in the contract that says after this date, uh, you lose earnest money. And then we pulled out of the contract. I think it was some sort of inspection contingency, and there's some big old issue with the de- with the house after the inspection. And I just wasn't paying attention to the dates, and neither was my agent, and something along those lines. I, I I honestly I think I blacked it out in my mind because it was such a punch to the gut. Because I was just scraping by to to get the you know the deposit down the down payment and 1500 bucks when you have a w-2 job living in new york city you know recent college graduate i mean that's four months or so worth of setback yeah because it is it was it was a tough pill to swallow um so but it had something to do with inspections probably a good thing for people to take away if they're just getting started is to have a really good uh real estate agent that's working on their side that can put all of those dates down and remind you about everything that you're going to need to do, when you're going to lose earnest money, what you need to do, at which time. Uh, we have some really good agents that do that, and that helps us to protect you know, our earnest money. But we've made those mistakes as well. Absolutely. And, and then when you are doing the larger stuff, and I know, Adam, you talked about on, uh, on my podcast – you all were evaluating, like, how how big was that apartment community? I think that it was two thousand two hundred forty six units. Cra- <laughs> yeah, cra- cra- crazy large. And in those circumstances, or even you know, one hundred and fifty plus units, you'll have an attorney who also helps keep track of those days. Uh, for example, we always, I mean, we have it printed out for all of our large large deals, but uh, the the timeline and those dates, but. Additionally, we have the attorney follow up with us if our earnest money is about to go hard and there's some still some some things that yeah. need to be resolved. Right. So before we got into that, you were starting to mention that you went from your first deal, which was very much cookie cutter, typical, but the, your next three deals got progressively more creative. Could you go through those a little bit with us? Sure. Yeah, the first deal, cookie cutter, I put down 20% on a $76,000 purchase. All in, it was about $20,000 factoring in closing costs and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And then the next deal uh, was 80 something thousand dollars, but I only put in uh, 81,000 is what it was because I put in 10%, 8,100. And I found a, a, pro, a loan program. It's called Home Path loan program. I'm not sure if it still exists 
today or in what capacity if it does. But at the time, I could put 10% down and all in, I was at 12,000 bucks for this home that I bought for $81,000. And so I was like, okay, so I went from 20% down to now 10% down. What, what, what's next? How can I get, how can I make this better so I can have less money in my pocket? The third house I bought, I bought all cash and it was $65,000, give or take. I can't remember the exact amount. I think it's 65,000. And that was money I'd saved up from my advertising job and I was babysitting on the weekends wow. and all, all sorts of stuff. Um, I was, I was called Mr. Joe. I was a manny, male nanny. <laughs> and, and I saved up that money and then I ended up finding a foreclosed house in Dallas, Texas for 65,000 from bank of America was selling it. I had to pay all cash. So I did, and it appraised for $86,000. So I was able to nice. then take the money back out by doing a cash out refinance, put a loan on it. And basically when the dust settles, I get all my money back and I have a mortgage on it and I'm still making about 300 bucks a month on, mm -hmm. on the property. Nice. And you said you're originally from Texas, but I'm this, originally when from you Texas. Bought this, yeah. When you bought this deal, you were living in New York City? I yeah, I was live. I've never... I've never lived in the city where I where I closed on a deal, and okay. that still holds true today. Wow. The so I was in New York City. I was buying the first, second, and now third house, and then the fourth house and the final house before I went to large stuff was a uh, a house I got from wholesaler. He advertised it for thirty five thousand and five thousand worth of improvements to get it moving ready. I happened to be approved for $40,000 coincidentally for $40,000, a line of credit at American airlines credit union, 7% interest rate. Oh. And I thought how convenient, what a coincidence <laughs> I will buy this and I will fix it up with that 5,000. I will buy it with the 35 that included his wholesale fee and nice and clean. Well, um, that, that in and of itself was a creative, Oh, one thing I didn't mention, I forgot to on the third house, I didn't buy it all with my cash. Uh, I used approximately 8,000 for, from a credit card that was a, a cash advance, but at 0% interest rate for 12 or 18 months. And I just paid it back later. Nice. Um, but then on the fourth house line of credit for that house didn't work out as well or at all uh, than what I thought there ended up being like $15,000 worth of repairs. And by the time I did the repairs, it rented for less than what, what it was renting for prior to the repairs. I mean, it was, it was just, yeah, oops. I sold that house. How that was you, ugly duckling. How did you um, uh, make up that extra 10,000? Where did that money come from? Work, work, W2 job. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just pump, pumping in money from the W2 job and from my, uh, manning time on the weekends. <laughs> and you mentioned that you don't, you no longer do single family. So what are you involved in now? Uh, multifamily. So I've got with, uh, you know, my, my company's Ashcroft capital and we have, uh, over what, $230 million worth of apartment communities. And that's 12 apartment communities all in the state of Texas, Ten of them are in Dallas, Fort Worth, and two of them are in Houston. Nice. 
Wow. And so that's that's a big leap, though. I mean, you, you did four deals. It sounds like, you know, they worked out okay. Maybe one of them not quite so good. But but then you said, heck, I'm going to go big. So what what was that transition like? I mean, and how did that happen? It it happened with uh, with basically happening happened with apathy towards my <laughs> full time job. I was yeah. apathetic towards what I was doing. I wasn't fulfilled, and uh fulfillment equals growth and contribution. So I, I, I didn't feel like I was growing and I didn't feel like I was contributing to anything in a meaningful way working at an advertising agency. And it, not to say you can't, you certainly can sure. because ever, everyone's wired differently. I mean, people can get fulfillment through cleaning the dishes or whatever, but I'm just, I wasn't wired. It'd be a little weird if they did, but you could. <laughs> well, I mean, and I can relate to that because yeah. I, I, I worked in tech for a long time. And uh, I worked – and one of those companies – actually, I did a couple of them. But the one that comes to mind is uh, – it, it was an email marketing company that I, I sold my first company to them. And I worked – and this was way back. This is 99, 2000. This is like the birth of email marketing. Yep. So for a while, it was kind of exciting because it was a new thing. You know, but then one day I was like, you know, I don't want my tombstone to say he increased click through rates by 4%. You <laughs> <Yep>. know? <laughs> it just didn't really get me that excited. So I can totally relate to that. Yeah, exactly. I, I, th th that's actually a really good exercise to go through too. pretend you're dead and what's on your tombstone. Actually write it out. I've done this before. I've written it out in a word document. This is what I want it to say. And it's like, wait, am I on the path for it to say that? Uh, so I wasn't fulfilled, and I, I started sampling life experiences while I had my full-time job, and I did the following. I told you about the manning thing. I didn't want to do that full-time. I told you about the investing in single-family homes, but I, what I was also doing is I had been told by a bunch of my friends, hey, how are you doing what you're doing you're working with us, but you're buying these properties. So I taught a class on it in New York City. Hmm. And through, through that class, I taught it for a couple years. Um, through the class, I saw an opportunity because what happened, my oldest brother, he's got a buddy who owns some, some gyms in Dallas-Fort Worth area. And he heard I was teaching this class in New York City. And he said, Joe... I'm obviously not going to fly to New York to attend your class, but send me the PowerPoint if you wouldn't mind. I'd like to take a look at it. So I did, and he said, this looks great, but if you want to do something larger, let me know. I'm looking to do something larger because the class was all about buying single-family homes at cash flow out right. of state um, because New York City's you know, cost prohibitive for the most part. Yeah. yeah, totally. So he said that, and I thought, wait a second. Do I have – a customer before I have a product. Hmm. And when you have a customer before you have a product, you're on to something That's big true. time. Yep. And then I heard this something similar from my former boss. And he said the same thing because he did attend my class. And he said, Hey, if you ever do something, let me know. And I'm like, Well, I am doing something. He's like, No, I mean something a little bit a little bit larger. And I said, Oh, okay. Um, noted. And that's what that's what really gave me somewhat confidence. I mean, it, it's, it's a leap of faith. It really is when you leave your full-time job. Um, especially after you've, you've climbed the ladder and you're feeling pretty good about where you're at. Uh, but I, it was a leap of faith and that, so that, that helped me with the transition.
Awesome. Hey, so in 2009, you bought your first single family. Is that right? Yep. It's at the end of 2017. Just for the audience, how many doors total have you ever closed on in the last uh, eight years? Uh, total doors, I'd say 3,000. We're right under 3,000. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, we have right, we have, we have right, right under, well, we've, yeah, we've, we've closed on 3,000 in about two and a half years. Wow. Syndications are certainly a very creative way to um, get involved into real estate. Will you tell us more about your first syndication? Yeah, sure. Um, So first syndication was unlike the other syndications and I would recommend this approach to people starting out, but it's n- not a recommended approach for all your deals. Or, and I wouldn't even do it now because I don't need to. So let's let's talk about it real quick. Um, did a mass release on the first syndication, and the reason why that's helpful for people starting out when you're doing a syndication is because the number one challenge you'll come across is lack of experience and expertise on your team. Yep. So the there's that's challenging in multiple fronts. One is getting money from investors and from the lender because the lender is not going to lend to you unless you have team members who have the experience and your investors won't either. They won't want to be in it because you don't have that track record, and rightfully so. I wouldn't either. Right. So th- th- there's a challenge there. Uh, the other challenge is actually finding a deal because brokers want the most money from the most qualified buyer because that assures them of getting the most money in their bank account. Mm-hmm. So if you're just starting out, you don't they don't have much incentive to send you a good deal off market because they've got other people most likely who have more money and more of a track record and are more likely to close so you're it's tough starting out therefore the mass release was a creative way that uh i did it because basically from a high level you lease from the owner, the current owner, and the current owner stays on the note with mm-hmm. the lender. Therefore, it negates the whole getting approved by the lender thing. However, this is a big asterisk. Most people don't talk about this when they talk about master leases. You should get approval from the lender in writing that mm. they're okay with the transaction. Okay. Because if you don't, then they could call the note because it could be in default to of the loan terms. And a lot of people uh, who make their living on master leases and sell programs or whatever, they don't tell you that, but it's a big problem. And I actually delayed the closing for two months because I wanted to make sure we got in writing from the lender that they're okay with the transaction. All they did was they just asked the mortgage broker, hey, are you good with this group? And the mortgage broker said, yeah, I'm good with this group. Okay, fine. Because the lender still got the owner on the hook with a personal guarantee. So they've already qualified the owner. It's just more about the management side of things. So this um, was this was a master lease as well as a syndication? Yeah. Double trouble. Can you can you go in what exactly is that master lease? Just go into a bit more information on this specific deal on what you were paying the seller and also where yeah. the other money came from. And also I would ask, uh, you know, how did, did, did 
how did they react when you first offered it? Were they offering it already as a master lease, or did you just come in and it, say, I'll do that? They were offering. I, I was not savvy enough to pick up on the opportunity for the master lease. They actually suggested it. Hmm. Yep. Well, that was nice of them. That was nice of them, yes. <laughs> uh, well, they, they were also looking for top dollar, and it had been on LoopNet for a year or so. So it it was nothing was moving, um, and it's funny because I mean I've always heard LoopNet is not really a place to find deals, um, but I'd never thought about actually just asking people well, what would you be willing to do on a master lease? You know, you find all the old deals. I wonder if that would work. Yeah, I mean the 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 the, the real the real I agreed. Maybe a different a slightly different approach would be. Um, What's most important to you, purchase price or when you get paid or mm-hmm. not ma- not managing the property? And then based on that, if you're like, hey, I want my price, okay, great. And would you also want to relinquish uh, all the management headaches? Yeah, okay, cool. Well, here, here's, one, here's a couple offers. One offer, I can do traditional financing. Here's the offer. You probably won't be close to them. Or another is master lease and I can get to your purchase price, but it'll be paid in three years, four years, whatever. And um, these are the terms. So now, Adam, to answer your question, your two questions about the specifics, this deal was um, purchase price of 6.35 million and it appraised for 6.7 million um, at the time of closing. And we... Uh, the the syndication was or the 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 investors I um, brought into the deal were uh, just people who I knew through my life life experiences from flag football to um, uh, softball to my advertising days to um, I'm on the the board for at Texas Tech University so people who I knew through the board and uh, we we bought it we bought it together um, in the, the here's a, a, a creative wrinkle to it, to an already creative deal. I still with investors, I still had the challenge of me only owning four homes at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that doesn't, that didn't go away. I did neutralize one of the challenges of the lender because now the lender's not an issue because the owner's already on it. So I'm just moving in on management. So that's fine. Um, and the lender cared about management. So we hired a third party management company. So check that box. But the investors, we still got that challenge. And the way to the way I resolved that challenge starting out was I uh, asked and this was me, actually. The, so the master lease was presented to me. But this part I, I actually came up with and I'm proud of. I asked the brokers to invest their commission into the deal. Ah. And they became, and they said yes, and they became part owners with us. So now I've got a talking point to investors. Hey, I don't have the experience, but these three brokers who are brokering the deal and have a combined 80 years of experience or whatever, however much it was, is something like that. They like it so much they're reinvesting their commission into the deal and they're going to be part owners with us. That's a great idea. And and just so, just so I understand kind of the flow, though. So you, you do a, a master lease. And were you able to close that without investors, or did you even have to have them at, the, at that stage? Uh, no, that was with investors. Okay. Yeah, the great. down payment. 
Okay, got it. All right. So the master lease, even though it's a lease, you still have to put some some money down. Money down. Yeah, yeah. We put and what you put down is uh, whatever is agreed upon based on the negotiations with the seller. We put down approximately twenty percent. So it was okay. eight hundred and forty some thousand dollars. So in a weird way, it's almost like a subject too. Yeah, totally. Yep. And when yep. did you? How long did it take you to refinance it out from the old owner at the master lease? Uh, it was about. We, so here's what you wanted. It was about three years, but what you'll want to, more importantly for everyone listening, what you'll want to um, take a look at when you set those terms is see when the current note is due. Okay. Because yeah. there's there's no re it it doesn't work um it doesn't work if you are have a note that is due in two years but your master lease is seven years because that just you're gonna have to do something in two years yeah so ideally you do a note or you do the term that is up to um when the when the lease is or when the when the note is the your note is your due. master lease is up to when the when the note is due and actually a little bit before and a lot of a lot of people that mostly focus on single family think that all all notes are thirty years um, but even if you're on a thirty year amortization you might have a five year term or ten year term or whatever with these more uh, these larger commercial properties yep exactly cool great well we know well, time is short for you Joe but we really appreciate your taking time out from your uh, very busy schedule and sharing. These are these are awesome strategies, and it just goes to show that you can go from complete newbie to empire <laughs> in a very short time. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean, I think of people doing this for thirty years and and not getting to the level you're at. But you know, if you've got the moxie and are willing to be creative, you can go very far. That's true. That's why everyone should listen to your podcast and yours. Right. Uh, where can people find you online, Joe? You just search my name, Joe Fairless. Um, I actually have an apartment resources guide. Happy to give all of your listeners just email info at joefairless.com, and it's a, a guide on all the different resources and places I recommend to get knowledgeable about apartments, and um, you can go there. And if you're interested in investing passively, then you can go to investwithjoe.com and uh, fill out a form there. Terrific. Well, thanks again for your time, Joe. We really appreciate it. Enjoyed it, my friend. Lot of value. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you.